We uh, are in the book of 1 John, so if you have your Bibles, get those out. If you have your phones, maybe use your Bibles for your phone. You can turn to the book of 1 John. Not to be confused with the book of John, which is the Gospel of John. This is 1 John. So this is all the way towards the back of the New Testament, a few books all before Revelation. So go there. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. So I think we could all agree on something, that what people say and what people do can oftentimes be very different things, right? And if you've had any experience with, like, Facebook Marketplace, you know that that is true, right? <laughs> people immediately, you list something, hey, I'm very interested. To me, if somebody says they're very interested, I take that as they are really interested, and so I'm like, come on out. I'm home all day. And I just don't hear any reply back. Second person, I'm very interested. Come on out. I'm home all day. Nothing back. Third person, I'll be out in five minutes. Don't show. And eventually I'm like, I'm just going to take this to Goodwill and drop it off. <laughs> I don't need the 30 bucks that bad to be on this thing all day. But people say they're super interested and they don't actually show up. In one time, this is probably just a story that I didn't even put in my notes, but if you, back in the day, and I'm old enough to my first car, I found in the classifieds in the paper, like before internet was that big, you know, this is like 2000, and you looked in the paper, and I saw, you know, like a, the car you wanted, you know, used, Pontiac, Firebird, 89, runs good, AC's cold, blah, blah, blah. I go to buy it, and, and the, I call the guy, and he's like, yeah, it's here, come on out. I go there to buy it, and I get there an hour away. You know what he says? Sold. I'm like, what do you mean sold? He's like, guy was here. He had cash in his hand. I sold it. And so that was the way it worked. The first guy to show up with cash gets it. And on Facebook Marketplace, I went and sold something. I'm like, hey, first the guy said interested. I said, when can you get it? He said Monday. The other guy said, I'm interested. When can you get it? Sunday. Second guy, I, he came and bought it. First guy was mad. He's like, I was the first one to say interested. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I was like, everybody, you know, like there's apparently rules that if they say interested, you got to give it. I'm like, no, the first person to show up with money gets it, right? That's how it was back in my day. And if you drove there, you, somebody beat you, man, you were stuck. So you better have that money ready. And my dad said, money talks and don't say it, guys. Don't say it. But money talks. And there's a whole other part to that story. Uh, but that's kind of what this passage in 1 John, so as we already talked about, 1 John is a general letter to the church battling like this false teaching or what's like heresy or bad teaching or whatever. And, and John is writing this letter saying, I'm going to set the record straight to this is true. This is true. And so we as a church could read this letter and learn from it and apply it to our lives. Does that make sense? What he was saying true to them is still true for us today. And it's really about our, our actions need to line up with our faith, right? We could say we have faith, but if our actions don't line up with our faith, there's something off there. It's like saying you're interested in my push mower and never actually showing up to buy it. Were you interested? Not really. Um, okay. So this, parts, this passage is broken up in two parts. I'm going to read the whole thing for us, and then we'll break it into two parts, all right? So it's 1 John 2, verse th verses 3 through 11. 
And it's on the screens, too, if you don't have your Bibles today. It says this, By this we know that we have come to know him. And who is him? Jesus. Yes, very good. By this we have come to know him, Jesus. By this we have come to know him. If we keep his... If we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever said he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So saying, if anybody says that he abides in him, ought to walk in the same way that Jesus walked. Um, and that's, what they had to do is we had to live our lives that same way. Verse 7, the second part. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is, that, is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Okay? Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. That is our passage, and let me pray as we get started. God, there's a lot to unpack from this letter, <clears throat> and most of all, Lord, I pray that we apply this letter to our lives, and that we are not that person that says, hey, I'm a Christian, but we don't obey anything that Jesus says. God, help us walk in the way that you walked and do the things that you did. And we pray this all, and help us break this, this verse down and, and study it, God, and apply it to our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, thank you. So keep in mind, John is using very strong language throughout this whole letter to prove a point. And so he says, you're either in the light or you are in the darkness. Either the truth is in you or you're a liar. Either you hate your brother or you love your brother, right? You see how it's like divided language? Because he wants you to pick a side. He doesn't want you to be lukewarm. He doesn't want you to be confused. He, he's using strong language for a purpose. Um, um, so let's look at the first point here, and that's going to be the first part of this verse, and it's 1 John 2, 3 through 6. And it says this, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a what? And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word and in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, referring to Jesus. So John is asking Christians if they're really, truly Christians. If they really know Jesus, you know, this is like a self-test. He's saying, are you a Christian? Well, you should be walking the same way Jesus walked. And if you don't, then you're not a Christian. It's like, whoa. And so he's asking, you know, he's asking, do you really know Jesus? Do you really know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? And that's what he wants to know. It's like, do you know Jesus? And I think we all agree that there's a difference between knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. 
And here is like Charles Spurgeon, who was considered and is still considered the prince of all preachers, has said this. And I'm going to read this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, Do distinguish, however, between knowing about Christ and knowing Christ. We, know, we may know very much about many of great men, though we do not know them. Now, it will never save a soul to know about Christ. The only saving knowledge is to know him, his very self, and to trust him, the living Savior, who is now at the right hand of God. And so he's saying there's a big difference between knowing about Jesus and really knowing Jesus. Right? Most of you know all about, like Evan here probably knows a lot about Aaron Rodgers because it's his favorite quarterback. But does he know Aaron Rodgers? Do they sit down? Do they talk? I don't think so. Maybe you've met him or had something signed. But do you know what I mean? I know so much about a lot of people, like it says, but if I don't know, I don't actually know them. And he's saying that's the problem with the church is we've, we know a lot about Jesus, but we don't actually know him. We're not actually spending time with them. We don't, we don't know them. And so he, he's asking that. I have a pastor friend in the area that I sat down with. Maybe this is maybe like months ago, or maybe a year ago at this point. But we were talking about how in this area in West Michigan, to try to evangelize to people or share about Jesus, it's very difficult compared to other parts of the country, and especially to other parts of the world. I mean, you go to... Um, you go to Vietnam or you go to like some other countries like that and there's only 4% of people who've ever heard about Jesus. You know, 10% of people who've ever heard about Jesus or know about the gospel story. And you are in West Michigan, which we consider the Bible Belt of West Michigan, praise the Lord, but everybody you talk to, they've been to Sunday school before at least once. They've been to church a number of times, whether it be for Christian funerals or Christian weddings, and they've heard the gospel many times. We are saturated with people who know all about God, but really don't know God at all. Am I right? <clears throat> Everyone that we talk to thinks they know Jesus. I went to Sunday school. I grew up in church. I got baptized. And so you talk to somebody at work that you just met, and they say, hey, I, I grew up in Sunday school. I got baptized. I did such and such. And so that's what John is saying here. Do you know him? And if you know him, you obey his commandments. It's not about what you did in the past. It's what you're doing right now, is if you truly know him. He said, my friend, my pastor friend said, it feels like my job is to convince people that they aren't saved so I can lead them to Jesus. He's like, my job right now just feels like it's trying to convince people that they actually don't know Jesus so I can introduce them to Jesus. And that's really what John's doing here. He's saying, if you say you know Jesus and you not obey his commands, then you really don't know him. You can know him. It's not saying you're damned forever. You can know him, but you need to understand that you really aren't following him at this point. And that's kind of what John is saying here. It's a self-test. How do you want to know? Do you obey his commands? Do you actively try to live your life like Jesus did? And so if somebody said they were baptized, they grew up in church, I'm like, are you actively trying to live your life the way that Jesus did? Of course, yes. It's like, okay, well, cool. Well, like, are you a part of a church body? No. Well, the Bible says, do not forsake gathering together with other believers. So if you're not a part of a missional community, a small group, a church, you know, do you really know him because you're not obeying his commands? Well, I can do church on my own. Well, that's just your command. <laughs> you know, like I'm talking about obeying God's commands. And so that's, 
the test is if we're really following him. So you might be saying, the, it says, how do we know if we're really following Jesus? If we walk like Jesus walked. And you might be saying, how could anybody walk the way Jesus walked? Does anybody ever feel that way a little bit? <laughs> how do I, how can I live up to Jesus? How can I even dare to live as Jesus lived? That's just too hard. And you might be thinking that. How can anybody obedient to all his commands? In the scope of the whole Bible, we know that we are going to sin, we are going to stumble, we are going to fall. And that is part of following Jesus. And as we come to Jesus every day, ask for forgiveness, um, and trust that God's grace will forgive us whenever we ask him. Because the Bible says if we ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us. But um, you know if you are actively trying to live your life as Jesus lived. We might stumble, we might fall, but you can say, I am honestly trying to live my life like Jesus did. I think it's safe to say that we know if we're doing that or if we have no interest in doing that at all. Are you actively trying to be obedient to Jesus? Or are you just doing your own thing? If you're just doing your own thing, whatever you want to do, whatever you decide, that's, the Bible says you're not following Jesus and you don't have faith in Jesus. But if you're trying to live as he lived, you will. So, obeying Jesus' commands or walking as Jesus walked, um, apparently this was up for debate back then. The false teachers were saying, you don't actually have to live as Jesus lived. And John saying, no, you actually have to live as Jesus lived. You have to try your best to do the things Jesus did. Um, but more so, um, if you have been saved and you are filled with the Spirit, you should want to live your life as Jesus lived. Right? If you are truly a Christian, you should want to live your life the way Jesus did. Like, you should have that desire to pursue that endeavor. And you should want to. And if you are here today, and you know that your life isn't even close to walking the way Jesus did. Like, you are literally just doing your own thing. You don't care what the Bible has to say about it. You just do your own thing. And you know that's wrong. Then your job is to come to Jesus and repent. And the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you and pray that he changes your heart so you actually want to live your life as Jesus did. Does that make sense? The Bible says that, like, in, I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but God is always a phone call away. I said that to somebody, and they're like, I never thought of it that way. It's quicker than a phone call, but you guys know the expression. God is always a phone call away. So if you say, God, I know I'm not living my life the way that I should, forgive me. I repent. I'm going to try my best to live my life as Jesus did. He is faithful and just to forgive you, and he's faithful and just to welcome you back. He's faithful and just to give you a heart that desires to walk into his obedience. And, and so if you recognize that if that's not you, you could always ask God, and he'll always forgive you. So John pivots here um, in saying you need to obey his commands to actually showing them the command they need to obey. Okay? And so that's in 1 John 2, verses 7 through 8. He said, Beloved, I'm, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the, is the word which you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So John here is giving a reminder of how to obey Jesus and exactly what command we are supposed to be following. Okay? Um, he said, I give you an old command, but this old command is a new command. 
if you're reading this at the surface level, you might be like, what is, exactly is this new command? What is he talking about? John is referring to his gospel in the words that Jesus said. And John wrote this in his gospel in John chapter 13, verse 35. 34 through 35. I think it's the next slide up there. John chapter 13. It might be like the one after that. It's all good. Okay, yes, this is it. Thank you. Um, I didn't put the reference. My bad. Sorry, guys. You're good. This is from John's gospel, and these are from the words of Jesus. And it says, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus is saying, if you love Jesus, if you love God, you will obey his commands. What is his commands? That's his command. So the whole pivotal point of this whole passage in this text revolves really around what was written in the Gospel of John, where Jesus said, I have a new commandment. And John references it here. He said, I'm, this is a new commandment. And he's saying we're supposed to love one another. And so really everything that's said in today's passage has to do with, are you loving one another well? And that's my big question for today is, are you loving one another well? And when I mean one another, I, I'm specifically talking about other Christians. Like other Christians, specifically, you're in this body of other Christians here at J-Road. Are we as a church loving each other well? Or do we just stick in our own lanes and do our own thing? And this is a very important point because this is everything John was talking about today is if you guys, myself, and us, we, if we are loving each other well. The whole, the whole passage is building up to this point. John is asking the church uh, all across Rome and Asia the same question that I'm asking Jericho Road Church is, are you loving each other well? It's a question you guys have to answer for yourself. Are you loving your fellow Christians well? And it's the one way we're supposed to be marked is if we take care of each other well, if we are loving each other well. Um, I think... It's hard. Uh, so, like, when we talk about, like, the story of, like, the Good Samaritan, if you guys remember the story of the Good Samaritan on the road to Jericho, where we get our name, Jericho Road Church, the story of the Good Samaritan was a guy, Jesus tells a parable, is how do you truly love one another? He's saying a guy was walking down the street, and he saw a man laying in the street. And the priest, the rabbi, just walked on the other side of the street and said, ooh, I'm not going to mess with that person. And a Samaritan came and took the person, bandaged them up, took them to the hospital, took them to an inn, gave the innkeeper money, stayed the night, made sure they were okay. And he's saying, which one loved their neighbor? And so the challenge for us is that if we sniff out that there is a need for somebody here at Jericho Road Church, we should be doing all we can to try to meet that need. Does that make sense? We should be giving our money. We should be giving our time. We should be giving our words to help each other that are in need. I was telling this story to some of the people that were at Muskegon Christian 
uh, the school I go to, and I know Tiana works there and other people go to Muskegon Christian. What, my son's teacher um, in sixth grade, like I just ran into her on Thursday after I was preparing this message. So when you're preparing a message, you know, you really got to be super obedient to what you're teaching or else God's going to judge you way more strictly. So I was talking to Miss, uh, I won't say her name in case she's watching, I don't know, but I was talking to her, um, and I'm just like, hey, how's it going? Just making small talk while I'm waiting for my kid to be the last one literally out of the school because they're just farting around in the bathroom or something. And I said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm not doing so good. My husband was just in a really bad, like, moped accident, and he's laid up for months. And I said, oh, my gosh. I said, what do you need? And she's like, huh? And I'm like, what do you need? And I was like, can we do, make you meals? What do you need? And she's like, meals would be awesome. Meals would be good. And so then I called Tiana and said, hey, this lady needs meals. You should better make her something. <laughs> it's actually half true. I told Nicole, I'm like, we can make meals. Like, honestly, guys, we have a meal ministry here at J-Road that some of you are on. And, and I always say, if it's a busy week, we could go to Sam's Club and get those pre-made fettuccine Alfredos. You stick them in the oven for like an hour. It's a pre-made whole meal right there. We don't even take time. And, you know, we're going to take care of her and make a meal because she needs it. But here's the thing. In our society, in our culture, in our neighborhoods, in our life, in our church, we are always told to stay out of other people's lives and stay out of other people's business. And that's why people are so caught off guard. We're like, what do you need? I'm going to come to your house. I don't know where you live, but I'm, I'm sure it's within a 15-mile radius, and I'm going to bring you a meal. It's like, whoa. And it's like, we are told to stay out of people's lives. Don't ask people questions. Stay out of people's business. And here in the church, with love, if it's not done with love, we shouldn't do it, we should be all up in each other's business. Somebody's missing for a few weeks? Hey, where have you been? I missed you. Uh, you know, just, it's okay to ask, but we are told, don't ask, that's private. I'm like, I, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm used to getting up in people's business. I'm saying, if it's that private, they'll just say, I don't want to share this. <laughs> I had some surgery I don't want to tell you about. It's embarrassing. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to tell me, but I'm, t I'm asking you because I love you. I'm asking you because of what Jesus said. Are you loving each other well? And sometimes that is getting a little bit in people's business. Not snooping around for dirt, not snooping around for sin, but snooping around because I love you and I care about you. And we should all be doing that really, really well. And a lot of times we're saying, keep everybody at arm's length away. And if you hear that somebody is going through some sort of trauma, the first thing you should ask is, what do you need? What can I do for you? How can I help you? Um, and, and that should be our, ch our church should be taking care of each other. When we have a meal train and we send that out to the church, we should have that thing full in a second because somebody had a baby, somebody had surgery, somebody's sick, somebody's actually requesting that they'll accept meals from each other. So we better be on that thing and loving people well and filling it up in like a second because we love each other well. And when we see a need, we will do it. And you guys do the good job. The people that are on the meal train do a good job, and, it, and it's been good. Um, do we call people? Do we check on them? i got to hurry up because we're taking communion, and I'm getting a little short on time. But Paul drives his point home with a power punch. I'm gonna, this last verse is in 1 John 2, 9-11. Whoever says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. So if you say, 
if he says he's in the light, but he hates his brother, he's still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so again, this reiterates that John is talking about loving one another. So again, he's saying, if you're a Christian, you need to obey my command. What's the commandment? It's love one another. And then if you say that you walk in light, you better be loving one another. And again, a very extreme language, and hate is used here. Um, hate is a strong word. You know, I, you know, somebody might say, I hated that movie. You're like, whoa, you must have really not liked that movie. And like, I hate this, I hate mustard, you know, like, I hate this, I hate this. And hate is just such a strong word. We don't even use hate that much as a people, unless we're talking about mustard or Brussels sprouts or something. Um, I know some people like mustard. I don't, I don't like to go, I like it on a hot dog, but that's about it. Um, so if John's, so this is my thing. Hate is such a strong word. If you guys are reading this verse and it says, if anybody hates his brothers in darkness, the church might be tempted to read this and say, I don't hate anybody. I would, I would agree that 99.9% .9 of us here would say, I don't hate anybody. And we still, according to this verse, might actually be hating people because it's such a strong word. He's using it as a point. And so my whole point this week as I was studying was trying to figure out what John means by hate. Because 90% of us would say, 99% is like, there's nobody I hate. I don't hate anybody. And so what does John mean by hate? Hate is the absence of love. Hate is the absence of love. So if I do not show any love to my children— and let's just say I don't wish them wrong, I don't want to kill them, but I don't show any love to them, the Bible would say that I actually hate them because I'm, there's an absence of love. Absence of love is hate. What is the absence of light? Dar darkness. The absence of light is darkness. The absence of love is hate. So the, there's no such thing as neutral love. If I say... I love my man Taylor back there, and I've never hung out with him, never did anything nice for him, never said anything nice to him. He would say, that guy doesn't love me. And according to this, it would say, you know, like if, if somebody is in need and you refuse to show love, you are actually hating that person because it's the absence of love, okay? So there's no such thing as neutral love. If there isn't actions, there isn't love right? Would you guys all agree with that? If there's no actions, there's no love. I could tell my wife I love her till I'm blue in the face, and I do, and she needs to hear that, but she also wants to see some actions that go along with my words, right? And no matter what, if we say that you love your fellow Christian, there better be some actions that actually go along with that. And if there isn't, then there's not. It's not true. Praying with somebody, making a meal for somebody, greeting somebody at church. If you see somebody coming to church and it's their first time and nobody knows them, to go up to them and say hi to them is actually an act of love. Does that make sense? That's why we do an intermission, so you could seek out people that you don't know to say hi, because it's very nice to greet people in that way. It's an act of love. Um, 
And so John understands hate um, as a concrete term. Hate is the absence of the deeds of love. Hate is the absence of deeds of love. Um, to walk in the light is to love one another, to love one's brother, and God's love will express itself in concrete terms. And so, I have something for you when we take communion, and I want you guys to take this. I was going to do something far more elaborate, but I think this will be good. I wanted to do a challenge where, like, the winner gets, like, 100 bucks, but Brian told me that was really tacky and I shouldn't do that, so I'm not going to do it. I want you guys to take this when you come up to take communion and, like, put it in your Bible somewhere, and it's just simple ways that you can love one another at J-Road. And I want you guys to try to do all seven of these by the end of the year. Like, just cross it off, all right? Like, when you do it, cross it off. Um, worship team, you can come up and get set up, and I'm going to pray here in a minute so you guys can get set up. So it says, ways you can show love to your J-Road brothers or sisters. Uh, one is make a meal for someone who is sick, injured, or just given birth to a baby. Um, uh, number two, greet someone you don't know every Sunday from now, like every Sunday that you're here from now to the end of the year. Pray for someone and with them. I'm going to tell you guys right now, at church when somebody has a need, I want to encourage you to not just say, I'll pray for you, but to actually pray with them right here and there. It's so encouraging to put your hand on somebody's shoulder and pray with them right there. Number one, you're not going to forget to do it. <laughs> and number two, they feel your love right there. I did it with somebody before church. They prayed for me, put their hand on my shoulder, and it like made my morning. And so if you need prayer or, or somebody at, says they need prayer, don't say, I'll pray for you. Just pray for them right there. Just, I know it's a little awkward. <laughs> it is super awkward at first. But there's nothing awkward about being the body of Christ and actually obeying what Jesus said. Are you loving each other well? Um, reach out to someone from J-Road who's been missing. So somebody who's been missing, maybe they've had surgery. Reach out to them and see how they're doing. Um, text or call somebody just to give an encouraging word. Like, text Marcus during the week and say, hey, good job on the electric guitar. You did good. Lift of spirits. If someone is struggling, ask how you could help them and be prepared to take them up on their answer. <laughs> like when I asked somebody and they actually said yes. Um, and number seven, pray for a hand roll, handful of J-Road people every day because if you pray for one another here, love will flow out of that. And so these are actual actions that we could be obedient to our verse today. So when you come up to take communion, take one of these back with you um, and put it in your Bible or put it somewhere where you could refer to it. Sound good? All right. Let me pray, and then we'll do communion. God, we thank you for this passage. And God, help us to truly love one another and not just say it with our mouths, but actually do it with actions. And help us just put it into practice. So we just thank you in Jesus' name.